like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. George Norrie with you along with Matthew Palomari. Matthew, you were going to talk about a story about what's it like right before one dies. Go ahead. Yeah, this is wild. So um, back in the late 90s, I went to these entheobotany seminars in the Maya ruins of Pushmal in Palenque, and a number of people were there, Terrence McKenna and a bunch of other people. And a friend of mine, uh, Jacques Olivier, lives up on Orcas Island now, found out about this substance called 5-MeO-DMT. It's, it's 5-methoxydimethyltryptamine. It's highly psychoactive, and uh, you hear a lot these days about people smoking toad venom, and it's the primary component in that. Toad venom? Toad venom, yeah. The Bufo alvaris, the Sonoran desert toad. People, they they dry the venom, and then they smoke it. And it it uh, it blows your ego away. It, it's, it can be very transformative. It's a very powerful experience. Back then, nobody really knew what it was except a few people, and we were getting it from a lab in China. And we smoked it and had a life-changing experience. So he and I have always had this funny, weird sort of death connection. So when I was finishing this book, the death book, right when COVID was hitting, he was up playing on a stage up at Orcas Island at the Imagine Festival, and it was Friday the 13th. It was a full moon. He was in this big stage, and there was a heart above him. Classic setting, right? Yeah. And he's playing a song, and I never get the words right, but he's playing a song by David Byrne called Lazy. And he's playing it, and he's singing on a ukulele, and and it goes something like, "Ah, I'm lazy as a lover, I'm lazy when I work, I'm lazy, you know. I'm wicked and I'm lazy. And he gets to the line and he goes, I'm feeling so lazy, I think I'm going to stop. And right when he said that, he literally dropped dead on stage. Oh, my God, you're kidding. No, he dropped dead. A nurse was in the audience. She jumped up. She broke two of his ribs trying to resuscitate him. She worked on him for five, six minutes. I don't know. 
the lifelike guys came in, and they hit him with the paddles six times, and they brought him back. Jeez. And they, they rushed him off uh, with the life flight. He got a triple bypass. He goes by Paloca Lele, and he lives up there on Orcas Island. And so, you know. He's still cl- clicking along. Huh? Oh, he's moving. He's, yeah, I, so I, what I did is, is I went up to Orcas, and I helped him. I edited and published the book about that experience. It's called Nature Loves Courage, which is something that Terrence McKenna used to say all the time. But when I got to sit with him and I said, buddy, I got to know this. That, that 5-MEO experience that we had, I always thought that was a dress rehearsal for death. Was it? And he looked at me and he said, yes, it was. Wow. So though he was gone and clinically dead for, it could have been 10, 12 minutes, I don't know how long it was, he said he was aware. I had a friend of mine, Matthew, who I think he died while sending me a text. Yeah. Because a couple texts came in and made sense. A third one came in, it didn't make sense. Mm. A fourth one came in, it was all gobbledygook, and mm. then nobody heard from him. And then the next day we had a wellness check with the police, and they found him dead in bed. Wow. Isn't that wild? Strange. Yeah, it really is strange. Funny things happen, like, like I won't get into all the details, but when my mom died, her stereo suddenly turned on really loud with Frank Sinatra. I love that. Right? And, and she loved Frank Sinatra. She had worked with him years ago. And and, and it seems like this whole electronic thing and the boundaries between the world, so to speak, mm-hmm. it's pretty strange. Um, you know, to me, it makes life more dreamlike in many respects and more magical. And uh, so one of the things that inspired me to write this book is I, I'm not afraid to die. I'm ready. I'm not in any hurry. Yeah, we're in no rush. No rush. <laughs> But part of me is looking forward to it, right? Because all, all the experiences I've had in the jungle with all these plant diets for all these years, I've been through everything imaginable and unimaginable. If there's something new, I'm waiting for it. But I'm, I mean, I've been at it, you know, for like 25 years with that. If you're going to go, though, wouldn't you want to go in your sleep? I think so, yeah. That's the best way to go. Yeah, I, want, I would like to stay vital and healthy all the way up until it's time to go. And then bang, just go. And then just go. You know, I, I don't, don't want to stay in the hospital for plan. six months or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. I've seen too many people go on the installment plan. Uh, Charles Schultz, who was a friend of mine, um, he died in his sleep like that. The Peanuts, Charles Schultz? Yes, sir. How about that? He, he, was, uh, he was a good friend. He was a big part of the Santa Barbara Writers Conference for, for many years. Ray Liotta, the actor, just died in his sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same kind of thing. I mean... Well, you know, too, George, the older we get, the more it happens, right? That's true. We're, we're going to be up to bat sooner or later. I guess when you die in your sleep, what happens? You just have a heart attack in your sleep or something? That's what happened with, uh, we call them Charles Schultz, we call them Sparky. Uh, that's what happened with Sparky. And his son, Monty, now owns the Writers' Conference, and he's, he's keeping it going, keeping the tradition going. But to go just like that, right? You probably don't even know what hit you. Suddenly you're off wherever you end up going. Assuming there's an afterlife. Right, exactly. you'll You'll know that you died, but it'll be puzzling to you, I would assume. Yeah. Right? A little confusing. Yeah. But um, I like to think, of course, I'm a, a wee bit biased here, but all the visionary experiences that I've had in the jungle and all the psychological things I've been through all these years, 
I do feel very prepared for whatever's going to come, even if it were to to cease to exist. Um, you have to accept it no matter what. You know, it's it, it's always there. And, you know, there's that old saying that you start, that the moment you're born, you start to die, right? Exactly. So, In June of this year, you wrote a book called The Thinning Veil. Tell us about that. Yeah. It's my, my third short story collection. Thank you for asking. And um, my very first short story collection is the one that Ray Bradbury gave me the blurb for. And my fans have been begging me for more fiction because I've been writing so much nonfiction lately. So I worked really hard, and I came up with 13 uh, Twisted Tales short stories. Um, some of them are uh, science fiction, science fiction horror. I got a nice uh, haunted castle, Scottish uh, haunted castle story in there. Um, genetic manipulation, um, all kinds of weird little things. I did 13 of them, and I dedicated one of them to Ray Bradbury. It was Ray Bradbury versus the aliens, wasn't yes, it? Yes, sir. Yeah, you're on it. Thank you. Yes. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. She's a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I had been asked, Ray would have been 100 a few years ago, and I was asked to write a story having to do with his life. And there was um, the story, uh, boys, boys Grow Giant Mushrooms in Your Basement. It was on the old Alfred Hitchcock show. It was on the old Ray Bradbury Theater. Yeah. It was about aliens taking over the world. So I wrote a first-person story about a Ray Bradbury fan going back to Waukegan, where he was born, and runs across the mushrooms again. And in, in the story, the aliens are taking over by making everybody eat the mushrooms, and they're getting possessed by the aliens. I love so I, I did a first-person with Ray Bradbury um, with the mushrooms, and I had a lot of fun writing it. Did I ever tell you my Ray Bradbury story? I don't know. I know we have him in common. We used to put out a newsletter called the After Dark Newsletter. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a story about Ray Bradbury's Twilight Zone script he wrote called I Sing the Body Electric. Oh, yeah. It was about uh, a family who lost their mother, mm -hmm. two kids, mother, little boy, little girl, and the father. And the mother died. And they were in tremendous mourning, as they should be. And he went to the robot store and bought a nanny robot hmm. who raised the kids. They became adults. And she went on to a different family to do it all over again. But it was called I Sing the Body Electric. And I, I, I just loved that show. Oh, and yeah. So I wrote a story about it in our newsletter. It somehow got to Ray Bradbury. Oh. He sent me a letter, which I still have on my bulletin board in my office here. That just says, reading the story you wrote about me just delighted me to no end. Thank uh, you, Ray Bradbury. That's sweet. It's a classic. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got my picture and my postcard that he sent me. Um, he was one of the best. Man, he was so, it was such an honor to be with him. He used to come to the conference, and after he would speak, he would go to the back of the restaurant, and I would get invited back there with like maybe three other people. And he would tell stories of writing Moby Dick with John Huston. Wow. And he would go into the John Huston voice, well, Ray, you know, and he would just do the whole thing. What do you think made him so clever? I have a, I told this to a friend, and they thought I was a little crazy. But, you know, we were talking about visionary experience and drugs and this and that. And I said, Ray Bradbury is the kind of guy who would never, ever need to take any drug ever, ever. Because I think he always had that sort of three-year-old childlike wonder. Yep. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing. He always was, was had that, that questioning and what if. And he was very much playful, um, like a three-year-old. And I think that's just the sweetest thing. And, and what an inspiration. And he used to get up there kicking off the conference, and he would just go on about the hell with the screenplays and the hell with the novels, just right for the love of it. And he would just really get into this passion, you know. And um, it was everybody would want to be there and make sure they got Ray's opening night keynote because he was so full of just passion. You know, what a blessing he was. Where was he born? Um, he was born um, in Waukegan, or he lived in Waukegan, Illinois, um, until he was something like eight or something like that. And then the family moved to L.A. And he lived in Venice Beach. And he was writing, eking out a living, writing um, 
for the for the pulp magazines, you know, like Weird yeah. Tales. He was ninety one when he died. Yeah, yeah, and I saw him just before he died, and I and I gave him a copy of my memoir, and I just said, Ray, I'm not asking you for a blurb or anything. I just wanted to give you it this. You've been so great to me, and, and he he put it, he held it, and he looked at it. And he looked up at me and looked back down at it, and then he, he held it to his heart. And um, that was the last time I saw him. How many uh, Alfred Hitchcock shows did he write? Yeah, he did. He did about. He did a lot of those. Yeah, he did. He did. He did probably three or four Twilight Zones. He probably did maybe half a dozen of the Hitchcock ones. And then uh, in the eighties, when they had Ray Bradbury Theater, he got to redo a lot of them. Would you say Fahrenheit four one four five one was his biggest work? It was his biggest and most well known. But um, when he when he first was started out, he took a bus for three days to New York to try to get a book published way back, and he spent the whole week knocking on publishers' doors, and nothing happened. And he was staying at the YMCA. And finally, on Friday afternoon, the editor said, well, Ray, what about those Mars stories? You know, you go, why don't you do something with those? And Mars, so he threw Martian together Chronicles. over the weekend, he threw together the Martian Chronicles, brought that in, and they accepted it. And then from then on, he was kind of on his way. That was but I, I think, yeah, Fahrenheit 451 is probably his most famous one. But, you know, something wicked this way comes, the illustrated man. I mean... Um, how did, how, a, how did you come up with your 13 Twisted Tales for the Thinning Veil book? They were not easy, i got to tell you. How'd you find them? Well, I scan the newspapers all the time. So, like, uh, there's one story um, I read about. They put a pig's heart into a guy because it's just like a human heart. For real? For real. And he lived for about a month, and then he died. Oh, gee. So I had a story about a guy who was a, a freak about bacon. He was really into his bacon, and he ends up in the hospital because he doesn't take care of himself. He eats terribly, and he ends up getting a pig's heart, and he starts turning into a pig. I won't get into all the details, but I got it from what I read in the news. I have another story about genetically engineered babies that are perfect. Uh Call that one fetal fantasies. Um, and then I wanted to, I read some really, really old uh, short stories from like the turn of the century. So I wrote one in that style. Um, but short stories in many respects are harder than a novel because you got to get it all done. You got to come up with the idea and you got to wrap it all up and do it, you know, and then you got to come up with a new idea. Whereas when a novel gets going, it has a life of its own. Absolutely. It just starts to build. But the stories, you got to keep coming up with new ones. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts, the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.